Well, we are in a series all about building the house of God and what that looks like in your house. You know, what we've been saying the last few weeks is when you get involved in God's house, God gets involved in your house. When you participate in building his house through your finances, through your energy, through your time, just showing up to church, even just you coming to church, watching online is a part of building his house. We can't do it without you. Your presence matters. Your name matters. The seat you're sitting in, we prayed that you would sit in that seat. We prayed over every seat in this room that God would bring people that feel called to victory, whether they know it or not. And this is a house for imperfect people. Come as you are and watch what God will do in your life. Listen, your presence matters. And when we get involved in building his house, he gets involved in building our house. And, and so we're in this whole vision right now, this series. And I want to title today's message, Building a House of Worship. Building a house of worship. This last week, I went to Africa, and uh, we flew on Monday to Ghana and arrived there on Tuesday, and I literally flew back yesterday, so I'm a little jet-lagged, a little out of it. If I say things that are crazy, just come back next week. I'll be normal again. Maybe. It's kind of crazy every week, but come as you are, right? And so while we were in Africa, we were ministering at this church, and um, right there in the capital city of Ghana, Accra, uh, this church was just on fire. I mean, revival. Like, they were, they were praying it up. They were worshiping it up. Their services were five hours long. <laughs> Y'all like, what time are we getting out of here? They were worshiping for like a solid hour, hour and a half. They, were, they had all kinds of songs. Then they would pray. And get this, every night... There's a group of 300 men that, that come to the church at 11 p.m., and they stay till 3 a.m. for four hours, and they pray. And I said, like, just during conference week, they, know, they said, no, every night of the week. I said, since when? They said, since the pandemic started. They said, for the last almost two years, they come in and, and just 300 men just praying. And, y'all, they are intense. I love, I love how here in our American church we're like, golf clap. Y'all, we need to bring some of that intensity from Africa to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I came back with just a fire. And what I realized is they are intentional. I asked the pastor, I said, is it like this at every church across Africa? He goes, no. He said, there's dead churches in Africa. He said, but our church is intentional about being alive, about being intense in our prayer and our worship intense in what God's called us to do. He said, we're going to build a big church here. They've been going for about seven and a half years, and thousands of people are gathering in their, in their church. And the pastor is like 40 years old. He said, I see one day us having a church like yours in Tulsa, a big auditorium. And I see us just taking over, starting a dream center in our Christ, start sharing his vision with me. And it's similar to our vision. He said, I want to do a school like you guys have a school, a Bible college someday. I'm, I'm going to take all your ideas from victory. I'm going to do them here. I said, I'm taking all your ideas here, and I'm doing them in Tulsa. But as I was listening to him, I could just hear the intentionality for his house. Anyone in the room an interior designer? Is there any interior designers? Or you want to be an interior designer? You like look at all the apps? You wish you were an interior designer. You, you look at stuff, and you're like, yeah, I could come up with some great stuff for, for houses and for rooms. I could walk in, and I know what, what the color of the walls need to be. And I, you know, there's people who, I, like, I love walking into the benefits of someone else who was the interior designer. 
I like to think I'm an interior designer, but like, I don't always have the greatest ideas for rooms and spaces and houses. Um, but walking into a room that's been nicely, like intentionally, you just know someone did something with this space, right? Someone, someone, someone thought hard about what kind of colors to put in this room, what the floor should be, what the chair should be, where the table should be, what should be on the walls. Someone was paying attention to the house. And just as important as it is to build on the outside with the right materials and to build the foundation, it also matters just as much to build the interior of the house to be a home worth coming into. Because what good is it to have a great foundation, an incredible exterior, but to have a really stinky interior? To have no thought, like just to have this really bland, no intentionality, no, no one's paying attention to the details of the room. It's just kind of whatever, whatever walks in the house sets the atmosphere for the house. I'm thankful for people who are intentional about the atmosphere, who are intentional about what I'm walking into. I could feel it there in Africa. He was intentional about the interior of his house. I want us to be a house of worship, a house of prayer. I want people to feel the presence of God. Can I tell you, I'm intentional about the house of victory. That when you come in here, I, two years ago, I was sitting down with our worship team, and I said, I feel like we play everyone's songs. We're playing songs from Bethel, from Hillsong, from Elevation, you know, and that's great. They've got great songs, but I want to start playing some victory songs. I want us to have original worship songs that come right from our house to the people of our, like what we're walking through right now in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so two years ago, we got intentional and started writing songs. Every song you heard today in the set list was all original songs from Victory Worship. What is that? That's intentionally building the interior design of the house so that people know these are songs that were written for you, by you, right here in this room. When I look at the scriptures, I see lots of different people, men and women, who were intentional about building a house of worship, a house of prayer. I want us to go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. Yeah. And while you're turning there, how many of you guys are going out of town for Thanksgiving this week? Anyone going out of town? Visiting some relatives. Who's visiting some relatives? Yeah. Do they know you're visiting? Just Uncle Buck showing up, you know? How many of y'all got some relatives that are coming in this week, coming in, coming to visit you, some cousins, some aunts, some uncles, some grandparents? Yeah. How many of you wish they weren't? <laughs> y'all like, I'm already over it. Like, can it be done? <laughs> well, then this message is for you. You know, I remember growing up, we would go over to Grand Grand's house first, a few days prior to Thanksgiving. We would usually go to her house on Monday or Tuesday. And um, mom and dad would take Sarah, Ruthie, John, myself, and we'd head over to Grand Grand's house. Usually one of my dad's brothers would be, be visiting in town, either Uncle Jack or Uncle Charles, and some cousins would come. And when we walked into Grand Grand's house, you could smell the Southern cooking. I mean, you smelled, the, there was fried chicken, there was turkey, there was ham, honey ham, there was mashed potatoes and gravy, there was candles burning. I mean, you could smell the scent in Grand Grand's house. She was intentional to make us crave what she had on that table. We would walk over to her table and she had, I mean, she had set that table up. She had it looking pretty. She had some fall leaves and colors on the table, orange and yellow. She was intentional about where you were going to sit. She knew where her seat was. My dad knew where his seat was. We knew where the kids' seats were. 
She was intentional about the snacks she made. She always made the best Chex Mix. She still does. Grand Grand's sitting in the room over here looking fresh and young and clean. 97 years old, still kicking, still working for the church. And my mother, Pastor Sharon Doherty, still looking beautiful as ever. And, and so mom would get us, you know, we'd, get, we'd go over there and we'd start, John and I would just start using our hands, just grabbing mashed potatoes, grabbing chicken, grabbing corn, green beans. And my mom would be like, use the spoons. Use, I taught you at the house how to use a fork and a knife. And I'm like, I know. She's like, why are you a savage? I don't know. I just want to eat my food. And it's, you know, we were kind of, we were like gremlins. Me and John, we were just like, ah, ah. And so uh, I remember it. I remember the atmosphere, music playing, football in the background. Then, then after, we, we would have like the turkey coma. We would, you know, just, we were all tired after we ate the food. We'd sit there, we'd talk, football games. And then maybe later on that night, the girls would get ready to go do some shopping the guys, we would watch more football just sitting there talking, and our bellies were getting bigger. We had to unbuckle our belt just to fit all the food that we had. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? When you've had a good Thanksgiving meal, and, and the house was set. I remember we would leave the next day, the day before Thanksgiving, and we would drive to Texarkana, Arkansas. And we would go to, down to Texarkana, which is on the border of Texas and Arkansas, Texarkana. And so we would go to Nana and Papa's house. And Nana, she was intentional as well. She had a different style than Grand Grand, um, but she had her own music playing, candles burning. We'd walk into her house, football in the background. Uh, Matthew and Ella Swift were over there, David and Ann Swift. We'd come in, some random people would show up every now and then. We didn't know them. Nana didn't know them. Papa didn't. Just people walking through the house. <laughs> then they would walk out the back door, walk through the front door, look at all of us. Wrong house. Walk out the back door. Like, who are these people, Nana? She's like, I don't know. Just let them through, you know. <laughs> and, and then Papa, he would be eating biscuits with honey and jam. And he would have a whole carton of milk. And he would drink the carton of milk. And then he would put some of the biscuits in there. And you just saw chunky biscuits. And he'd be like, who else wants some milk? And we were like, <clears throat> just throwing up. Are you guys in the Bible yet? 2 Samuel chapter 6. All right. Verse, verse 10, David was not willing to keep the ark of the Lord in his house. He was scared because God, God took his presence very seriously. The ark of the covenant was like, it basically contained the Ten Commandments and some very important articles that the Israelites had carried out of Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. And it was kept in a treasure chest, and there was a pole on one side and a pole on the other that went through little hoops, and two guys would carry the front. It was very heavy, and two guys in the back. So four people had to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And, and David was scared because at one point, someone touched the Ark of the Covenant, and they weren't like being respectful or reverent of the Ark, and they died. And so David said, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Get this out of my house. Put it in someone else's house. And so in 2 Samuel 6... It says they sent the Ark of the Covenant to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. In verse 11, the Ark of the Lord. Now, the Ark of the Lord in the Old Testament represented the presence of God. It represented when we're worshiping and we experience a, a, a moment in our worship service where we just feel the presence of God. You know, we just experience some of those moments. You can miss those moments when you're not paying attention, when you're checked out on your phone. Like, you can miss those moments 
Just like you can miss moments with your family, you can miss moments with God. You can miss moments when you're, when you're distracted by a lot of different things and you're not paying attention to what God's doing. But y'all, we just experienced the presence of God during worship. I could feel it. When I was in Africa, I could feel it. There was moments where I would just turn around and I'd be like, wow, there is a, a strong, thick atmosphere of God's presence here. And you can just feel something, something is shifting. There's times in worship where we'll sing a different song and the atmosphere changes. You can feel it. You're like, oh, wow. Especially when people latch hold to the words and they start saying those words and they start speaking the name of Jesus, the atmosphere changes. In the Old Testament, the atmosphere, the worship atmosphere was in the Ark of the Covenant. The presence of God was in the Ark of the Covenant. Wherever that Ark went, it was like the presence of God was with it. So when they sent it to Obed-Edom's house, in verse 11, the Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household because his presence was there. When we build a house of worship, we are literally inviting the blessing of God on our house. When we cultivate a house where the presence of God can come into, this is my prayer every single week. Lord, I want people to feel your presence when they're at victory. If that's all they experience is just the presence of God, because they don't need clever teaching. They need an encounter with the presence of God. They don't need talented worship leaders and great singers. They need the presence of God. They don't need the guitars, the drums. All of that stuff is just, I mean, that's just all the supplements. But the real thing that people need is the presence of God. And when Obed-Edom had the presence of God in his house, which, by the way, you don't have to come just to church to get the presence of God. In the New Testament, we can carry the presence of God. When Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, he said, I am not leaving you alone. I am sending with you a helper, a comforter, a counselor, the Holy Spirit. When we receive Christ in our hearts and put our faith in him, we receive the presence of God in our house. Your heart is a house. And when you put your faith in God, the presence of God comes into your house. How many are thankful for the presence of God in your life? But you have to guard it. You have to guard it, and you have to cultivate it. And you have to pay attention to it. And you have to be intentional about it. Because even though the presence of God is there, he will not force himself in places where he is not welcome. So if I go into my room and I am angry at my spouse, I'm frustrated with Ashley, and I start getting angry and having this internal fight in my head, the presence of God has not left me, but he is definitely not ruling the atmosphere. He's a gentleman. He won't force himself on you. I have to pause in the midst of my anger and go, God, I surrender to your peace right now. Lord, I surrender to your grace right now. Lord, help me in Jesus' name to walk in love right now. Y'all acting like you've never been in an argument with your spouse before. Is there any real people without a church mask on today in the house? Have you ever, have you ever gotten frustrated with someone before? But here's what I realized is the presence of God is, is with me, but I have to guard it. And I have to daily surrender to say, Lord, I want your presence to lead my response. I want your presence to cover my house this week for Thanksgiving. 
And that requires intentionality. In a world that's constantly complaining, a house that is thankful stands out. In a world that's constantly in strife, a house of worship stands out. In a world that's fighting between liberals and conservatives, Democrats and Republicans, what did you think about this court case? What did I think about this court case? What did they think? What does Fox News say? What does CNN say? What do you think about this? In a world where there's constant strife, a house of worship stands out. And I want to be a house not of strife, but a house of worship. I want to be a house where the, the blessing of the Lord can sit. As long as Obed-Edom had the presence of God in his house, the blessing touched everything in his house. Not just the kitchen, but it touched his kids' rooms. It touched his grandma. It touched his mother-in-law. It Come on. It touched every space. How many of y'all want the blessing of God on every part of your house? You know, it's on all of our money in America. God bless America. God bless America. But in order for the blessing of God to touch our nation and to touch our house, we have to invite the presence of God into our house. You don't get the blessing without the presence. To build a house of worship is to say, Lord, we surrender. We give thanks to you for what you've done. Hollywood, be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. A house of worship is a house of humility. It's a house that's come under authority to say, Lord, we want you to touch every room in our house. And it requires intentionality. It requires intentionality. You know, I remember times when I would go over to Grangrant's house or Nana's house. There was one Thanksgiving. We were sitting down at the table, and there was some uninvited guest that showed up. And we were like, what, what is happening right now? In fact, one time, this lady came walking in my mom's house when we were all having, like, a family meal together right around Thanksgiving time. And she just, like, started screaming crazy stuff. And we were like, what is happening? I think I've got some uninvited guests that are making their way right now to my Thanksgiving table. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, they just start coming in one by one by one. Where did these guys come from? Who let these guys in the house? Jealousy, pride, fear, depression, strife. Here's what happens. Go to Ephesians 4, verse 27. Y'all stay right there. Make yourselves at home, but not for too long. Ephesians 4, 27 says, do not give a foothold to the devil. If you're not guarding your house and you're not intentional about your spaces in your house, you're not being the interior designer that you should be for your house, then other people and other circumstances will begin to determine the atmosphere in your house. And, and, and other things, and I'm telling you, the world is after your house. The enemy is after your house. The enemy wants to permeate and saturate your house with depression. The enemy wants to permeate your house with strife, get you fighting and quarreling and angry. The, the enemy wants you to carry a spirit of pride in your house. Me, mine, I, I'm not happy. I'm not getting what I want. And if I'm not happy, then I'm, you know, it's like pride is all about me, me, my, my, and I. And pride kills a thankful spirit. Pride kills a thanksgiving, a, a worshiping house. But the enemy, like Paul says, don't give the enemy a foothold. Look at that, Ephesians 4, verse 27. Don't give a foothold. I need some help. Sarah, Will you, Sarah Dillard, works on staff here at Victory, will you prop that door open? 
And I want, I want you to see what a foothold, and open the curtain so they can kind of see the light come through. And cameras, can you span over to the door over there? Leave me and go over there. There you go. All right. Sarah, just wave. All right. You see how her foot is up against that door right there? She's got a foothold. As long as she has a foothold, anything she wants can come through the door into this room. Now, we don't know what's out in the hallway. We don't know who's walking around out there, who's wandering during the church service right now. But if she left that door open long enough, we would find out. We'd start seeing walking through. And, and, and whatever she wants to come through comes through because she has a foothold. As long as the enemy has a foothold in the door, he can begin to say, hey, depression, they just lost a loved one. Go and make yourself at home. Because they're going to feel entitled to it right now. They're going to say, well, I deserve this. Life's not fair. And I, I should be depressed for how long? As long as I want to be depressed. And we start making reasons for well, I should be prideful right now because I just did this and, and I did this from a whole, and no one's thinking to me and I'm so, I'm angry and no one's, no one's acknowledging me. No one's meeting my needs. So pride comes in. And, and then jealousy. Did you see what the Jones got next door? Did you see Ashley Wolgamott? She got a brand new car. What about us? We've been going to victory longer than Ashley. Why didn't we get a car? And jealousy, jealousy, envy. Look at his Nike shoes. I want those. <laughs> hey, you want, <laughs> listen, someone gave me these, okay? <laughs> Look at that hoodie. I want that worship hoodie. Hey, you can have it, but I, I got to put a t-shirt on first. <laughs> but jealousy starts to come in. Y'all like, no, I don't want it. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> jealousy. I wish I had what they had. And the enemy, as long as he has a foothold, everything he wants can come into your house. Did anyone ever see the movie Three Ninjas? Okay, in Three Ninjas is a movie in the 90s. It's about these three brothers. They all were ninjas, and they were trained by their grandpa. And, and I think he's Mr. Miyagi. Maybe not. But anyways, <laughs> one night, they're at their house, and mom and dad are gone on a date night, and babysitter's watching them, and these burglars, robbers, come to the door... And did I say it right? Don't worry about it. I'm from, I just was in Africa this last week. So jet lag. But anyways, uh, they come to the door and they pretend to be pizza men. And they're like, pizza delivery. Don't, 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 don't. Knock on the door. And the babysitter's like, oh, it's the pizza guys. And right when she opens the door, they have a gun. And they put their foot against the door, and she goes, no, you can't come in here. It's robbers. You know, and then they shove her because they had the foothold. And once they had the foothold, three robbers came in the house, and the three ninjas had to fight against the, the robbers. Sarah, great job. Give her a big hand. But I think about how I was just sitting here having Thanksgiving. I was just eating a meal, and in walked in strife, and then depression, and then fear. I'm afraid about the future. I'm afraid we won't make it. Pride, jealousy, just sitting at the table. And you say, well, Paul, I didn't invite those guests over to my house. You don't have to. If you're not intentional and you're not keeping a watch over the door, they'll just come in. They'll just walk right in. And, 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 and they'll make themselves at home. And you go, well, I don't, I don't know if we really have that much strife. I mean, Paul, it's, you know, it's like, yeah, but the second you guys start talking about certain things, you know. How many of y'all know there's like, there's some strifeful conversation. There's certain topics, like pressure points. And you're like, did you get the vaccine? You know? 
Who'd you vote for last year? What do you think? What do you think about this situation right now? And, um, and people get angry and start fighting. And we sit at the table and then, and then it begins to permeate our house. And then we wonder why the blessing is not on our house. It's because we're not, we're not paying attention to the atmosphere that we're inviting into our house. And uninvited guests will keep showing up. Uncle Buck will keep on coming until you say, Uncle Buck, or what's, what's the family on f- family Christmas vacation? The Griswolds. <laughs> and he shows up. He's like, I want to get you something real nice. Just, you know, pick something out on the list. That uncle. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, guys. Just cut all this from the tapes. Come back to church next week. It's going to be really good. It's going to be real nice. Real nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, so here's what we have to do. We have to intentionally say, jealousy, you are not coming over to my house this year. You're dismissed. Pride, I'm choosing this year to walk in humility. You're dismissed. You can leave the house. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Fear, I choose faith this year. I choose hope this year. I'm dismissing. You can go. Depression, I've been entertaining you long enough. I've been grieving long enough. How long am I going to keep on living depressed and making excuses? I'm dismissing. You got to go, depression. I'm choosing joy. I'm choosing to release what I can't change from the past, and I'm choosing joy. And strife, you got to go, too. You can't stay in the house. Don't you hide over there behind the the candles. You got to go, too. Everybody say, strife, you got to go. All right. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, here I am. This is Jesus talking. He says, I want to come into your house. There's another guest that's standing at the door. And he says, if you would just let me in your house, I could, I could help you build a house of worship where the blessing flows. When Jesus comes in, everything with him comes in. With Jesus, you get the whole package. You get the peace of God. You get the joy of the Lord. In his presence is fullness of joy. You get the grace of God. You get, the, the, you get that spirit of even just, um, just gentleness, just being able to be gentle with people around you. I want, to invite, I want to invite some new guests to come and join me at the table. Come on in here. Come on. We got joy coming in. We got hope coming in. We got peace coming in. Make yourselves at home. We got love coming in. God's presence coming in. They gave all the signs to girls. <laughs> Give it up for the ladies in the house representing the good stuff today. I wonder if that's a sign right there. (laughs) It's good. Listen, when Jesus comes in your house, everything with him comes in. I want the joy of the Lord in my house this year. Building a house of worship is building a house with joy. Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 4, I rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Joy is a choice. Joy is just like complaining is a choice. And some of us have been complaining about everything lately. We've been complaining, just walking into church complaining. It's like everything we see, we only notice the negative first. Like, uh, yeah, but that, 
what about that? That, uh, that just frustrates me. And, and we're frustrated and we're entitled and we're complaining. And God says, why don't you exchange that? Because that's getting you nowhere. That's a dead end street. Why don't you bring joy into your house this year? Just choose to rejoice. Choose, choose to have joy in what God has done for you. And hope. My hope comes from knowing what God has done in my past, what God has done in his word, God can do in my future. And to live is, die, to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, the enemy loses no matter what. So I don't have to live with fear about the future because my future is secure in my relationship with the Lord. So I can have hope that I will see my loved ones again. I can have hope that my best days are truly in front of me. I can have hope that God's going to do something great in my future because my, my eternity is secure in Jesus. Thirdly, peace. Peace. Building a house of worship is, is contending for a house of peace. It's inviting the presence of God in, the love of God in. And y'all just stay there for a little bit. Listen, this is, and I want the band to come up. Uh, I want to go to Luke 17, verse 11. I want to look at another story here. When you invite Jesus into your house, it changes the atmosphere. He changes the atmosphere. When you remove the uninvited guest, you're making room for the right guest. Like my phone tells me when I'm running out of space, it's like, you need to buy more iCloud space. You're running out of space. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? When you're running out of space, your phone's like, you, you have used up all your space. In order to make room, I've got to remove some stuff. I've got to go in and say, I don't need that anymore. That's taking up too much space on the hard drive. That's that old stuff that I've been holding on to. I need to let it go. I need to remove that from the house so I can make room for the right guests to come in. In Luke 17, verse 11, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he had traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And, and as he was going into a village, there was 10 men who had leprosy that met him. And I want to stop right here. 10 men had a problem. 10 men, 10 out of 10 had an issue. And I would say, if you were to choose 10 men in this church today, there's probably a good chance that all 10 of them have something they need God to do in their life. I've never met a person who doesn't need God to do something in their life. Every single one of us, even the most righteous person in the room would say, man, I'm still believing for that one relative to get saved. I'm still believing for things to be better between me and my son. I'm still praying that God would heal some wounds in our house. I'm still believing God for transportation. Every single person I've met needs God to do something in their life. 10 out of 10 people. So 10 guys meet Jesus and they got an issue. They need him to do something. So often we come into worship and we come into our prayer with a need, a request. And Jesus says, when you come into prayer, you should start with thanksgiving in your heart. You should start by saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Before you make your request known, start with worship. If you'll start with worship, that will invite the blessing of God into the situation that you need. So these men, they come with their issue, and their issue keeps them at a distance. So they're standing far from Jesus. They don't feel like they could even get close to him. They feel like we're too bad. Our, our, our problem is too ugly to be close to you. You know what I love about Jesus? He's close to the brokenhearted. He runs to the people that religious people run away from. Like when religious people would get near an unclean person, they would, they would be like six feet apart, six feet apart, social distancing. You just stay away and you keep your mask on too. But Jesus was like, bring it. 
bring it. Doors are open at Victory. Bring it. We're going to have healing services during, during the pandemic. Bring it on in. I'm thankful that, that this is a house where all people are welcome, and you don't have to stay at a distance from Jesus. I'm here thankful for this house here at Victory. We've got to contend to be a house that welcomes in all people, not just some kind of sinners, but all sinners. The truth is we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There was a man in the last service, he came up to me and he gave me a big hug and he said, I'm in AA right now. And he said, I, I came here three years ago and I was a meth addict. And uh, he said, I got really, I got into some bad stuff. And, and he said, but, but things have changed and I, I just knew I needed to come to victory today. And he said, I'm doing better today. And I said, man, I am so glad you came here. And he said, just, just remember there's guys like me that are coming into the church and just know that the, 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 they know they need to be in this house. I want you to know there's always a seat for anyone in this house who feels like they're too far for God to reach. There's always a seat for you, for your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter, your ex, whoever it is. There's always a seat. We, we pray over these seats. We pray for you. But these 10 men, they stood at a distance. And Jesus sees them. And he wants to engage with them. Jesus wants to come into your house. Did you know Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house before Zacchaeus was a clean man? Before Zacchaeus got everything right, Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. I'm so glad that Jesus will enter into the house even before the house is perfect. That Jesus says, if you just open the door, I'll come in and I'll start cleaning the temple. And I'll start sweeping up the rooms. And I'll get rid of the dust. And I'll get rid of the junk. I'll find a place. Where... Jesus doesn't say clean up and then I'll come in. He says, let me come in and I'll clean up. Let me do what only I can do. What a husband can't do. What a discipleship track can't do. What a church can't Let me do what only the Holy Spirit can do. There's some stuff that won't come out except for an encounter with Jesus. An encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I'm all for programs, and I'm all for what we offer here at the church, our discipleship track, our restore class. It's amazing. But I'm so thankful that I don't have to graduate from the class in order for Jesus to live in my heart. I'm so thankful that before I even walk in the class, Jesus said, I'm coming in, and I'm cleaning up before you even go through one class here. Jesus says, I want to come. These 10 lepers, they felt like they couldn't even get close to him. The Bible says he's close to the brokenhearted. But here they are, they're standing at a distance, and they said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Have pity on us. Could you bring some of your love? Could you bring some of your peace? Could you give us hope? Could you give us joy? These guys had been living isolated from their families. They can't remember the last time they were home for Thanksgiving. Because once you got leprosy, you had to self-isolate. You had to quarantine. You had to get away from everybody. Your ears started flaking. Your hands started flaking. Skin would start falling off. Your nose would start breaking off. Little by little, you would lose your skin. Leprosy would just continually debilitate your whole body. And they would have to wrap all kinds of bandages, looking like mummies, wherever they walked, to try to cover all the blood and the scabs and the scars. Could you bring some of what you have, Jesus? Could you heal us? And Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priest. What Jesus was saying is, I'm going to heal you, but your miracle is going to happen in motion. Your miracle is going to require faith. Your miracle is going to come as you move. You know, here at Victory, we are a house of worship. And part of our worship is continuing to believe that God is not finished 
with what he's doing in our church. Part of worship is believing that God has a purpose for our lives to continue multiplying what he's put in our hands. Jesus told a parable in Matthew 25 about these people with talents. And he said, every person who's been given a bag, a talent, needs to multiply it. Jesus didn't give us gifts and, and opportunities and talents for us to hide them in fear or for us to maintain them from a place of, well, I'll just keep this one bag and just hope that I don't lose it. No, he says, I want you to invest it and multiply it. So part of our worship is multiplying what he's given us, which is why we cast this vision to expand the Dream Center so that we can keep on building out there, to expand the school, to expand what we're doing at Camp Victory. We see that God has more he wants to do in this house of worship. And so we're going after it and we're believing for it. And every time we've stepped out with a vision, it's required us to move by faith. And every time we take a step of faith, the miracle meets us in the motion. The miracle meets us in the movement. Just like we cast a vision during the pandemic to build a youth building, the, the finances didn't come in until we started moving forward and breaking ground and preparing the land for it. And then little by little, different people would come in, a single parent mom, a dad over here, a businessman, a college student would say, I want to give towards that. And today we have a debt-free youth building where teenagers are being taught the word of God, getting saved every week because a church believed in the vision. Some of you are believing for a miracle, but you're not in motion with what God's asked you to do. Jesus said, I'll do it, but I want you to start walking in that direction. Go show yourselves to the priest. Part of your worship is obedience. Worship is not worship until it's expressed. You say, well, I love to worship. And I say, show me. You say, yeah. Just put on a song and I'll just stand here. I like this song. I like worship music. You like the song, but worship is not worship until it's expressed. Part of worship is obedience. So he says, go towards the priest. As they start walking, an aha moment hits all 10 of them. They start looking at their hands and their hands starts clearing up. Their skin starts clearing up. The flakes are gone. The scabs start healing. It's crazy. It's like something you've seen in a movie. You're like, what just happened? They realize their whole body is, they got the clearest skin, clear cell. Couldn't even fix it, right? They got their face, everything feels soft, feels fresh. They got their bodies back. And when they realize it, they start running towards wherever they want to go. But one guy, when he saw that he was healed, he turned around. Because worship isn't worship until it's expressed. And this man wanted to build a house of worship in his life. He wanted the whole world to know who did it for him. Who helped him succeed. You didn't get where you are today all by yourself. I'm so thankful for the mercies of God, for the grace of God. When he turned around, he ran back to Jesus. And it says he shouted with a loud voice. I want us to be a house of worship that shouts with a loud voice. I don't want to be a golf clapping church. I want to be a church like Accra, Ghana, Africa. When you walk in, you feel something's different in this place. The interior design, something is special in this house. 
There's a sound of victory in this room. There's a sound of worship in this room. You know, we get loud for the Dallas Cowboys. We get loud for the OU Sooners. We get loud for OSU Cowboys. People get loud shouting for Justin Bieber. People get loud shouting for their favorite music artist. What if we started getting that same kind of loud and wild at church on Sunday, where you just, you can't shut us down. You can't close our mouths. I'm gonna praise the Lord. His praise will continually be on my lips. I will bless the Lord at all times. And again I say, rejoice. This man was shouting. This man was worshiping. When you do that, you fill your house with everything he has. Give these guys a big hand. Thank you so much. Stand to your feet. This man, he threw himself at the feet of Jesus. And he said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Jesus said, weren't, weren't there 10 of you that God healed? Weren't there 10 men? 10 men that I, I, I answered their prayers. One out of 10 men will turn around to say thank you. What if you would be that one? What if you would be a thankful man in your company? Here's a challenge for you, a practical challenge. I'm gonna call it the thank you challenge. Try saying thank you 10 times a day. That turns into 70 times in one week. You go, that's too much, man. I'm not saying thank you 70 times in a week. What is that gonna do for me? It'll make people like you a whole lot more. It'll make people feel appreciated around you. It'll make God go, my pleasure, Chick-fil-A. You know, God loves to hear us give him thanks. Watch what Jesus says. When he hears this man say thank you, he goes, hold up. Where's the other ones? Where's the other nine? In other words, Jesus was expecting a thank you. When God blesses you with breath in your lungs, ears to hear. I lost my hearing this summer in one year, and I got it back. And I tell you what, almost every week I'm going, Lord, thank you that I can hear. Thank you, because <laughs> when you don't know what you got until it's gone. And so then you start paying attention. Lord, I'm so thankful my mom's alive. Lord, I'm so thankful my kids are healthy. God, I'm thankful for my wife. Lord, I'm thankful for a house. God, I'm thankful for transportation. God, I'm thankful for food on the table. Lord, I'm thankful we can pay the bills. God, I'm thankful. Lord, I'm thankful for a job. I'm thankful. God, I'm thankful for friends. I'm thankful for friends. I'm thankful for relatives. God, I'm thankful. Lord, I'm thankful. Thank you 10 times a day. Try it out this week. Build a house of worship by just saying thank you every single day. And then get some worship music playing in your house this week. Just stir up an atmosphere of worship like Obed-Edom. Just bring in the Ark of the Covenant. Just say, okay, this week we're turning off K-Hits or whatever you listen to. We're turning, <laughs> we're turning off the playlist that, that we shouldn't be listening to of all the songs that we know are bad, explicit lyrics on all of them, you know? And we're gonna put some victory worship music. We're gonna put some worship music in our house. Just get it going, repeat in my car this week. I wanna, I wanna build a house of worship in my house, in your car, in your apartment, in your dorm room. Watch what happens. When this man threw himself at the feet of Jesus, he said, thank you. Jesus said, not only are you healed, but your faith has made you well. That word well in the Hebrew and Greek is actually the word sozo, 
which means that not only did this man get healed of leprosy, he received salvation, forgiveness of his sins. Not The other nine didn't get what this guy got. His gratitude opened the door for a non-Jew, a Gentile. At that time, Jesus was only preaching to the Jews. But in that moment, Jesus broke it all because this man said, thank you. When you live with a thankful, I'm telling you, gratitude is a weapon against discouragement. Gratitude is a weapon against pride. Gratitude opens the door for the blessings of heaven. Gratitude opens the door for everything God wants to do in your house. I want you to just close your eyes all over this place. If you're here right now and you say, man, I need to be more intentional to build a house of worship in my life, to just, just be thankful to just pay attention to what I'm allowing in my house and to really cultivate an atmosphere of worship, thankfulness to the Lord, praise to the Lord, just being thankful every day. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand all over this room. God's speaking to you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, 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 yes. I hear God saying, there's a lot out there that if they just caught hold of this, it would change. It would open the, the windows of heaven. If you raised your hand or you're here today and you just need to get right with God, I want you to leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar. Let's take the next few minutes just to stir up an attitude of thankfulness, to stir up a sound of worship today, to just invite the presence of God to permeate, to saturate every part of your house. Go ahead, just make your way down to the altar. Come as you are. Come in brokenness, come in your imperfection, and just begin to thank the Lord. Just begin to thank Him for what He's doing, what He's done, what He's going to do.
I just pray, God, for your peace to enter into every house that is opening the door today to say, come in, God. Make yourself at home. Lord, I pray for your love, your grace, your joy, your healing power, your salvation, your forgiveness, entering into every house that says, God, come on in. Make yourself at home. And Lord, I thank you, God, today that you're just cultivating in us a heart of worship. Lord, a heart of humility to say thank you. It all came from you. Thank you, Lord. Every good and perfect gift came from you. Lord, all the, all the success, all the accolades, anything that, that's great that's happened, it was from you, Lord. You deserve the praise. You deserve the glory. You deserve the worship. Lord, I love you. Lord, I need you. Can't do it without you, God. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not alone. Thank you, God, that you're a hiding place. God, you're a refuge. You're a fortress. You are a home that we can run into, God, and find shelter and find peace and find joy and find strength. Those who wait on the Lord renew their strength. Lord, I just pray for every person here today, God, that you would just give them fresh strength this week, fresh joy, fresh peace, fresh mercy and grace, God. Lord, let your presence touch homes this week in Tulsa and beyond, right here. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, have your way in my house. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on.